Hello, hello, hello. My name is Ronin. You know that. Maybe you don't. If this is your first time here, welcome to the party. This is a special episode. I haven't done an episode like this in a very, very, very long time. And the name of this episode is A Catch Up With Ronin. Now, I have done many of these before, so if you want to go back and listen to the other catch-ups at Ronin, just scroll through the list and you'll eventually come across them. But the aim of this type of podcast, well, there is no plan. You know, you're going to learn English, absolutely, and you're just going to learn a lot of random shit, and you're just going to hear a lot of random anecdotes from myself describing different things that have happened to me over the course of whatever. Now, as it happens, I'm actually going to talk about four topics. So I don't take notes, I don't prepare notes, I just have four different topics I'd like to talk about. And the very first topic is the end of my masters. The second one is marriage. The third one is Montreal. And the fourth one is future plans. So I guess there are like four key things I'd love to get through in this podcast, in this completely unplanned random podcast. So uh, let's just get started. The end of my master's. Yeah, that was August 2021. And I had been in the master's program for two years. So that was 24 months of nonstop study, basically stress for a lot of it, actually, unfortunately. And just a heck, like so much research, so much sitting by my laptop, so much being unhealthy. You know, I led a very sedentary lifestyle where I wasn't very active. I would go for walks and I'd go for the odd hike, I guess. But especially in 2021, it really slowed down because that was when the masters really heated up. You know, I had conducted research in December 2020. I had gathered all the research in January 2021. And from January 2021 until about May May or June of 2021, it was working on a thesis, which means that you need to have hundreds of pages of stuff written down. It is a, an enormous, enormous task to do. Um, so the thesis took six months to do. And, you know, you might have remembered I was living in Ireland for quite a bit of that. So myself and my then girlfriend moved back to Ireland, completed the thesis, moved back to Canada in about April or May 2021 and then it was uh, the summer came around and you know the work had started to uh, decrease in terms of uh, volume which was really nice it was like perfect timing because once the thesis was written it was just preparing for the interview and the interview our thesis defense as it's called is where you the student give a presentation about your study and what you've done in the last two years in that study, in that research. And then the panel of three people, I think it was, all ask you different questions. So three people and one moderator from the university. So each each panelist can ask me a question and then uh, it's one round, two round, three, four, however many rounds it takes until they're satisfied that you have done enough work to earn the title MA, you know, to get the credentials MA, essentially. So 
I wasn't worried about that at all. Here, here's the thing, like, I was going into an interview about something I created. And generally speaking, a lot of people would get anxiety over having to present your work in front of others. But for me, it was a walk in the park. Like, I had no bother doing that at all. However, the thesis, that drove me mad. And I know people who love writing, and they love writing thesis, and everything like that. But it just drove me crazy. Absolutely crazy. I hated it. It was an absolute labour of love. But just like, the one thing that really pissed me off about it was the formatting. And how we use APA formatting. Long story short... This is a style guide for how you can type your thesis. Size 12, Times New Roman, page number in the bottom right corner. If you're doing a quotation, you do this. If it's a quotation with more than 40 words, you do it a little differently. And everything like that. And then when you get down to your reference list, which could be pages long, every single reference and citation must be perfect. And that was just painstaking work. It took so long because you have to go through every single sentence in your thesis multiple times you've written it so it's kind of hard to correct it yourself at times and there's some stupid things you miss and it's really annoying anyways the thesis the writing of the thesis drove me mad the interview i wasn't phased at all i had no issues with that the thesis defense i was just excited to get it done so i log on to Zoom because I was still during COVID and I have my thesis defense. It goes on for about, I'd say three hours maybe in total. I was absolutely relaxed. I loved it. The thing is my girlfriend was outside the room and she was way more stressed than I was. She was way more stressed in the days leading up to the thesis defense. It was absolutely hilarious. And I guess it's just because I am not phased at all by public speaking obviously i'm a fucking teacher it's my job like every day i stand in front of people and make a presentation basically and i have done that for the last what 12 plus years or something like when i was in college in ireland it was the exact same so no issues at presenting i've also done drama my entire life so yeah i'm well able for it but it was just funny to see the differences between myself And my then-girlfriend, how it was like, I'm just so relaxed about the entire process. I'm just looking forward to getting it over and done with. Whereas she's, like, nail-biting. You know, absolutely nervous on it. Not on her stomach kind of job. What would you be like? Who would you be more like? If you had to give a presentation in front of, like, two professors that you know. And one outside professor, so someone who has no idea who you are, anything like that. They've read your thesis several times. Who would you be like? Would you be like me and be like just chill, more relaxed? Or would you be more nervous about it? Would you have a knot in your stomach beforehand? It's always interesting to hear different perspectives on that. Anyways, um, long story short, I passed. I got my master's. Yay, go Ronan, go Ronan. Very happy with that. Um, the end of an era in a way for me it was just like such a, a huge milestone to be honest that all that work was finally done and dusted out of the way and I just remember pressing the final submit button after a few revisions and it was just such a a weight off my shoulders 
you know that's that's the best way to describe it how finally it was gone i cast the ring into the fucking fire and i was just like done and i had no idea what to do that's the thing i had no idea what to do with all that free time and that's one thing i'll always remember after the masters I went to work, I got a job in the college teaching English, love it, and because COVID is over, because COVID was ending, the classes were back face to face, so that was really strange, going back face to face, took a while to get used to it, but all of a sudden I had so much free time, and I didn't have to research, and I didn't have to write an essay, I didn't have to look up citations, I didn't have to read these books or anything. It was such a strange feeling, but also lovely. But because I didn't know what to do, I was a little bored at times. One thing I knew I could do was get back in shape. Because during the Masters and during COVID, I gained about 50 pounds. Yeah, 50. Five, zero. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. So, I weighed about 266 pounds in December 2021. So Masters ended in September 2021 and I guess I just didn't get in shape. I didn't really gain much more weight because I put on the weight during COVID and the summer and everything with the with the Masters and the thesis and the stress related to it and the fast food and all that crap. But then in December 2021, it was like that was almost the heaviest I've ever been. So when I was 18, I was actually heavier. My weight has been like a roller coaster, basically. It goes up, it goes down, it goes everywhere. However, it's not good when it goes that high. It's pretty dangerous and bad. And I can just remember always being bloated and like more lethargic, finding it hard to just get up and stuff and just thinking, this is not good, Rona. What are you doing? And I guess something clicked. And then in December, that's when I started exercising, working out, getting back in shape. So... <laughs> Basically, the Masters ended, and I had no idea what to do. I was working in the college, and uh, it was a bit um, it was a bit strange, not going to lie. It was a bit strange not having a clue what I wanted to do after the Masters, what I could like fill the free time with. I was a fat piece of shit, basically, and I knew I needed to change some things up. And it was good, because like my then-girlfriend was in the same boat. She was also like, yeah, we both need to get in shape. And so we kind of held each other accountable in that regard. And that was really good to have that person beside me to hold me accountable to make sure I keep doing it. So that was basically from September 2021, as I said, to December or January. And then in January, um, well, yeah, I guess we can move on to the second part of this podcast. Marriage. Boom. I got married. That's crazy. So let's talk a little bit about different types of marriages, ceremonies, everything like that. Because in Canada, I'm sure it is incredibly different to how you do it in your country. The Canadian weddings are very different to Irish weddings. And um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the process of getting married in Canada. Make it a little bit relevant to it because I learned a lot. I didn't know there were so many hoops you had to jump through. Actually, there's not that many when I think about it. Okay, so first, you need to obtain a marriage license. That is the very first thing you must do. And here's what blew my mind. Only one of you 
needs to go in to obtain the marriage license. Yeah. So I was able to take my fiancé's passport, Irish passport, and I had my passport and I went in to the Service Canada, I think it is, like a government building, and I just filled in an application. I paid for the marriage license and they gave it to me on the spot after looking at the two different passports. So that was very, very easy to do. And I don't think it was too expensive. I think it might have been like $30 or something like that. Can't remember exactly. So step one, get the marriage license. Tick, done that. Step two, find an officiant. An officiant is a person who can legally marry two people, who can legally wed two people. And in British Columbia, the officiant could be belonging to a church they could belong belonging to a religious organization, they could belong to a humanist organization, or they could just be, as they're called, wedding commissioners. And that's one thing I really like in BC. They do make it rather easy. So the wedding commissioners are found online. Um, you go to a directory, it brings you to your local area, and it gives you a list of different people who can legally perform marriages in the area. And we just have to call the different people and see who are who's available on a certain date at a certain time. Now, as it so happens, we originally had planned for our friend to wed us. You know, our friend assured us that she was legally able to wed people in BC. I was a little skeptical and I wanted to check out some things online. And uh, as it turns out, no, she was not able to wed people and this is five days five days before the wedding so five days before the wedding we figure out that our officiant is unable to marry us and that was just like what that was crazy it was not fun at all and that's why we had to go online find the marriage commissioners in the local area and we had to call two or three of them and eventually we found a person who was free to come on friday And what they described it was, we told them the situation where we were planning to get married on top of a mountain. However, our friend is unable to do it. And the marriage commissioner on the phone knew exactly what we needed. And she called it a signing ceremony. So a signing ceremony is quite literally just a very, very, very short ceremony where there is two people who are going to get married, two witnesses and a marriage commissioner. And so we arranged to meet this marriage commissioner on the Friday morning. So we were originally planning to get married on the Saturday. We ended up getting married on the Friday. And it was an incredibly short ceremony. It was just outside in a nice park. It took about two minutes in total, I think. We kissed. We sealed the deal. We signed the papers. Life is good. Husband and wife. So that was pretty cool. And um, just two witnesses or two really, really, really close friends. And... Yeah, we took some photos and that was it. So that was like the experience of officially getting married. And it's a very, very straightforward one. The marriage commissioner, like we were talking to the marriage commissioner and she informed us how this wasn't a late request. She informed us how a late request in her books is a phone call the morning of a wedding because a priest died or something crazy like that. You know, someone who needs to get married today, are you available? So when we called her about four days before Friday, 
oh, not a problem, not a problem at all. So that was really, really cool that it was um, that easy to get a hold of a marriage commissioner and to get it done so efficiently and so quickly. And if you wanted, you wouldn't even need to celebrate it in such a big way. And that's a really nice thing about it. I'm not so sure how it works in Ireland in terms of that. I know some friends of mine are getting married in England and they're actually, and I know some people who have done it before and they've also done a sort of signing ceremony thing. So non-religious, a secular ceremony. And I think it's becoming more and more popular. So that was how you get married in Canada, folks. Obviously, if you belong to a religious organization, they would probably handle most of the paperwork themselves. And there's actually a lot of companies in BC that cater for weddings, that cater for people who want to get married um, with a very small party in rural areas. So like they will literally fly you out to the top of a mountain. They'll bring the wedding officiant themselves and everything else. And they're huge, huge money makers. It's crazy. I advise you, if you have some time and you want to like practice your English, I guess, and research skills, look up some of these wedding companies in British Columbia and just look at the prices and look at the packages they offer because they are quite interesting. It's very creative, I must say. And if I had the money, God, who knows? Anyways, so that was the official wedding, I guess, or the unofficial, the secret wedding, just four people in a park kind of job. But the real fun happened the next day. The next day is when we still celebrated it with our friends. And the next day is when we went up the mountain and our friend who was meant to be the official officiant still did a ceremony. And we said our vows in front of our friends. It's quite emotional, I might add. The sun was shining, though, in April, which doesn't happen too often. But, of course, it had to happen that day. We planned it. And, uh, long story short, we are up, high up in the mountains, by a frozen lake. With just some of our really close friends and a pretty big fire. It was absolutely amazing. We started the morning off with Mamoga. Mamoga. I bet you haven't heard of that. Mamoga is mimosas and yoga combined. So you do your yoga, but you always have to have a mimosa on hand or near enough that you can like downward dog into it or something. So mimoga. So that's how we kick the day off. And if a day starts with mimoga, you know it's going to be a fun day. And so we all did mimoga. Well, actually, no, we all didn't. Uh, The girls did mimoga. The boys drank and watched them do mimoga, I guess. And Then we all started cooking food and cooking breakfast. And this was the beautiful thing about it, because for a traditional wedding, you would have catering. You might um, have a reception in a hotel or something. But we were on top of a mountain in a pretty big lodge with a lovely kitchen to cook with. So we all just brought up our own food and had a giant potluck. Now, my wife and I had gone into town and bought some lovely meats from this nice barbecue joint. So we brought up some good food as well. But overall, it was about, I say, 70% homemade food which was really nice and something that we'll never forget because in the morning when we're all preparing the food, it's a huge kitchen and the music was pumping and it was just such a good vibe. It was such a vibe. It was an amazing time. The sun was shining. People are smoking joints. People are drinking beer, having mimosas at 10 a.m. in the morning. And it was just like, this is going to be a great day. And it was. It was just such a fun party all day. So we wake up, we do the mamoga, and then we go into um, 
we go down to the have the ceremony by the water or by the ice it was starting to melt so there was a little bit of water the ceremony only lasted about 15 minutes and then we all just sat and um, had drinks and just chatted for quite a while and then eventually we made our way back to the main lodge pumped up the music and just had a big giant barbecue with a fuck ton of beer weed everything it was just wonderful and you know we stayed up or i can't remember i can't even remember how late we stayed up but because we were going from so early in the morning it would make sense that we would turn in fairly early so overall it was wonderful total of eight people there we always wanted to keep it small and um there was my best man plus one bridesmaid plus one and then the officiant plus one and that made up eight people and it was very nice to do such a small intimate wedding on top of a mountain like that obviously logistics were a little more difficult being on top of a mountain but we made everything work and it was just such 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 a fun weekend um the next day uh my new wife and i which still not you still i'm getting used to it now it's been six months or so but uh we went to a lovely resort called sparkling hills now there's a research question for you go online and look up sparkling hills Kelowna or okanagan it is a beautiful spa an absolutely gorgeous hotel and spa and you go in and you check into your room you get a robe and you're expected to wear the robe and that's it like obviously togs underneath or shorts but you're expected to wear the robe to breakfast and everything else and you can just wander around there's something like i can't remember like nine steam rooms and saunas downstairs all different temperatures there's an indoor and outdoor pool there's massages there's there's everything like that it was it's such a beautiful spot and so we booked two nights um because it was the local season deal now normally we can't afford a place like this but we wanted to splurge a little bit. And because the wedding was so cheap itself, it was like, let's just do it. Let's go for two nights. So we arrived to the hotel and they tell us the room isn't ready. So it's like, okay, that's fine. We'll just go and have a drink in the nice German themed bar. So we go down, we have a beer, the disappointing bar, not going to lie. Talk about that another time. But when we get back upstairs, because we find out our room is ready, we get given the key walk down the hallway i open a door and i freeze and i'm thinking this can't be right this is not right there's been a mistake and immediately i ask my wife what's going on and we walk into the presidential suite of one of the most luxurious spas in the okanagan in bc And we're thinking, what the fuck? And I'm freaking out because I'm like, we can't afford this. This is going to be more than our bloody rent or something like that. And I just needed to make sure that we weren't going to get charged for it. So it's like I immediately get my phone out and I just like, wait a second. Because she says, my wife says, look at the bed. And on the bed, there was a load of rose petals and a sign, like a little note that said congratulations uh, on the marriage or something. And we were like, okay maybe it is for us and as it turns out my family without telling us had upgraded our stay 
to the presidential suite. Now, they didn't want to upgrade it to the presidential suite. They wanted to just upgrade it to another suite, like a better version than what we had, because we had booked the cheapest of the cheap, obviously. We're not rich by any means. But the presidential suite was the only one available. And I'm not going to lie. I felt like a fucking king in the presidential suite. It was huge, absolutely huge. I bet the artwork is worth more than everything we own right now in that presidential suite. So to visualize it, you walk in, there's crystals all over the wall. You look to your right and there's a hallway. You look to your left and there's a hallway. So let's go down to the right and there's a huge mini bar area set up. There's a table in the middle with a giant TV and there's a fucking balcony. The only accommodation to have a balcony in the entire resort and it's like yes please i'll have my own private balcony if you decide to go left as you enter you and you go towards the bedroom a huge bedroom two giant queen-size beds kind of wish it was a king but you know we have two so it's not too bad and then you go into the bathroom and let me tell you i have never seen a better bathroom in my life and nor will i i'm so passionate right now it was such a good experience so in this bathroom, one, there's a huge shower with like two or three different shower heads because necessary to wash every part of yourself without moving, of course. Then there is a private sauna. Yeah, we had our own sauna. So we didn't need to go downstairs and mingle with everyone else, with all the commoners. We were able to just stay in our own penthouse suite if we wanted. And we had our own sauna and steam room in our apartment basically i'm gonna call it an apartment the bath was absolutely ginormous like two people easily able to fit into it and i mean like that's rare for me i'm rarely able to fit into an any bath so the fact that two of us were able to get in unbelievable and of course the toilet well i was blown away by this absolutely blown away it was one of those like high-tech toilets that are probably common in some other countries but certainly not in canada it had like a warmer bidet everything you can think of the entire place was absolutely crazy it was the ritz it was the bees knees it was it was heaven like absolute heaven and when we originally went there we had planned to be healthy. You know, we we're going to like, oh, we're going to drink lots of water. We we're going to like cleanse ourselves in the sauna and, and all of this stuff. And as soon as we realized that we're in the fucking presidential suite, I just like walked over, picked up the phone. Hey, room service. I'm going to need four beers, please, just to get started. <laughs> and it was oh, an amazing, amazing, amazing time. Absolutely sensational loved it the saunas downstairs were amazing they go from like a traditional finnish sauna of 90 degrees celsius there's a few other ones and there's a few steam rooms as well so the entire thing is just so relaxing and i mean like you do around in the steam rooms and saunas you go back to the room you just chill for a while when you're ready you go back then you go out to the pool it was very difficult the only issue was when we got back to our home our dingy dingy apartment in Kelowna we felt like shit felt like shit for like two days and we're just like I want to live like that forever I want to just have that experience every fucking day if I want so yeah it was so much fun so long story short got married had an unbelievable honeymoon and um then just got back to regular life you know not nothing fancy no round the world trip or anything like that we'll do all that later we're always doing other stuff though 
So speaking of traveling, uh, let's talk a little bit about Montreal. Montreal is a city in France. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> I said that so convincingly as well. I do have to concentrate when I do these podcasts. Otherwise I say stupid shit like that. Okay. Montreal is a city in Quebec, Canada. Whew. And um, it is an absolutely gorgeous city. It is French-speaking, hence the mix-up. And um, I was there for a concert recently, specifically a Ramstein concert. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Ramstein. If you haven't, look them up. Unbelievable metal band from Germany. Um, the fact is that they're so well known around the world, they sell out shows everywhere and they don't even sing in English, which to me would be quite impressive that in Canada they still have that huge following. And anywhere they go, absolutely massive. Not only that, Ramstein are known for their pyrotechnics. They're known for putting on a good show. They're known for being absolutely fucking wild when they get going. And the show was out of this world. So I guess we're just going to talk about that first. Because the show was sensational. I've said that a lot tonight. So we go to Montreal for the purpose of seeing this concert. And I had never really listened to Ramstein or anything like that before. However, my wife loves them. Absolutely fucking loves them. And when she found out they were playing in Canada, it was like, buy a ticket immediately. And that was a year and a half ago. It got cancelled first because of COVID and then something else. And then finally, in August 2022, it went ahead. So we get to Montreal and we uh, end up going to the venue. But on the day of the concert, it was terrible weather. It was a huge storm in Montreal. And we're talking like thunder and lightning, heavy gusts of wind. And when I talk about rain, I'm from Ireland. But this rain would give the rain in Ireland a run for its money. I am not joking. I was saturated. Everyone was saturated. As we were making our way towards the train or the metro to get to the island where the venue was, we would go from bar to bar in between rain showers. And we weren't alone. Everyone else was doing that because there were so many people going to this venue from the location we were at. Anyways, we get to a one bar and it's a heavy metal bar and obviously everyone there is going to the concert. We get on the metro, hop out to the island in Montreal where, where it's at. Pretty cool, gnarly spot. Absolutely beautiful outdoor concert. And we're waiting in line to, um, to just get into the venue. And then, of course, the heavens open up again. And because you're in line, there's nothing you can do. You can't run, you can't move, you can't go for cover. Thankfully, we had ponchos that we bought that morning. So we put on the ponchos and we just stood there. And everyone else just stood there. Some people were laughing, some people were dancing. But everyone was just accepting that there's nothing we could do, that we were going to get soaked. And I am not joking. It was some of the worst rain I've ever experienced in my life. There was like a little river flowing under our feet in about 20 minutes or less. It was absolutely insane how quick it came. The thunder and lightning was huge. People were worried the show would be cancelled. Thankfully, it fucking wasn't. So, eventually the rain stops. The concert opens up. Everyone's able to go inside. We grab a beer. Very expensive beer too. <laughs> hey, you're on holidays. Why not? And 
the show, uh, the arena eventually starts to fill up, fill up, fill up. And that's when it really started to hit me. This is the first live music event I've been to since COVID. Like, over the last two years, I hadn't been in an environment like this. There was about 50,000 people at this concert. Like, I I can't remember the last time I had been in a room with more than 100 people, for example. I'm not into nightclubs. The bars here aren't really that type of bar. I haven't checked out the local music scene. It was dog shit during COVID, obviously. So it was very interesting to have that vibe again and to feel the atmosphere and to just be surrounded by strangers. It was something oddly calming about it, will I say? Oddly calming? We'll go with that. And then the music started. Jesus fucking Christ, it was so amazing. I mean, you can feel every beat. The pyrotechnics were insane. We were standing very far back, but we absolutely felt the heat from the pyrotechnics. So if you were any closer, you were probably going to get, like, your eyebrows singed or something. And I said earlier to look up Ramstein because their shows are out of this world. The whole thing is a spectacle. And it's, like, not just them playing music. It's all the crazy shit they do in between songs or during songs. So we went to this crazy concert in Montreal and had an absolute blast. Loved it. Live music, yes, please. Didn't know how much we missed it. So, now Montreal itself is a beautiful city. A very, very old city in terms of uh, Canada. We went to the old town, um... All I wanted was a croissant and a coffee, which I thought would have been easy. Turned out it was quite impossible to get, especially in the old town. It's more touristy, I guess. So we had to shop around and look for some of the more local spots. And once we found a a local sort of food court of independent places, that's where it was really good. That's where the food was excellent. And that's where we noticed a lot of people who were obviously working in the area were eating there. So to us, it kind of made us think, you know, the locals go here, so must be something nice about it. But overall, Montreal is a nice town. Um, Very easy to get around. There's the buses, there's the underground. Uh, everyone does speak French. Everything is in French there. So French is the first language. And um, some people would just... Most people speak English. I didn't... We had no issues going around speaking English. Checked out a few of the bars in the night scene, which was pretty fucking cool. Would love to go back and go to some more jazz bars or something you know we didn't have as much time in the city as we wanted we really only had like one or two nights i think it was so but overall i'd recommend montreal beautiful city now the last thing we're going to talk about in the catch up with ronin future fucking plans yes big changes not really but kind of so lost a lot of weight which is good back in shape did a lot of hiking in the summer. Loved it so much. Spent a lot of time in the mountains. A lot of time in the lake. Swimming, swimming, swimming. I'm a little upset that the lake is no longer very warm. So not swimming as much or not swimming at all. So I need to get into more running and hiking. And that's actually one of my plans is to get back into running. So I plan to get back into. I really want to get back into running actually and I wouldn't mind setting my goals for like a 10k race I've never been much of a runner you know I've always been a swimmer a hiker or or anything like that even a cyclist but a runner I've never been a super strong runner so that's one of my first goals apart from that 
with in terms of little seal english definitely trying to push it to the next level you know definitely trying to get little seal english out there i kind of disappeared for a while but now i'm trying to get back more consistently you know i've been doing a lot of work in the background so it's not that i've disappeared or maybe i did from the public sphere in a way but the most amount of work that I was doing was actually on materials development, curriculum development, and, and just trying to get back into the routine of work and not research in a way. And it was really nice to do that as well. But now I want to do more of this. I want to do more podcasting. I want to have more of a consistent podcast. And I want to sell transcripts. You know, I want to make the podcast more useful for you. And that's where you come in. I'd love to hear from you. I'm quite active on Telegram. You know, that's where a lot of people can get a hold of me. Instagram, it's tough to find messages. There's a lot of messages that, that do come into Instagram. But of course, I also have an email address, littlesealenglish at gmail.com. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think. Or just leave a review on the whatever podcast platform you're using. And by doing that, you could promote me, which is also good, but it gives me a chance to hear from you and to learn about what you like and what I can make more of. Because like this podcast, there's no major plan. This podcast, you might learn something you might not for this style, a catch up at Ronan, I mean. But if I do a podcast on Canadian news or on an idiom or something like rotten, you know, I've got some good feedback for a podcast like that. So let me know what you think or what you would like and it'd be cool. So one future plan is to definitely get the podcast up and going. And I've actually created some courses as well. So podcasting courses. So right now I just have one course out. It is the... Um, Eng authentic English phrases course and I made this over a good period of time but the idea was to just take a snippet from a conversation I've had with other people like in the podcast in the Little Seal English podcast English on the road back then and to teach you one little authentic phrase of English so for example one of the phrases is big on to be big on and it's in a podcast with uh shireen an english nerd check out her page really cool cool website everything and she says oh my family are not big on christmas and for me that was one of the first times i heard someone say big on and then i started to hear it more and more and more and i was like okay people need to learn big on and so then I took out that little snippet. I turned it into a little bit of an English lesson. And that is what I currently have online in terms of courses. And that one is available on buymeacoffee.com slash little seal. So if you go to buymeacoffee.com slash little seal, it will give you options and show you. I have a lot of free content up there. There are some transcripts there. Not all of them, not yet. I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it. And there are courses and there's obviously free samples. So that's one thing that you could do. And one thing I want to do more in the future is make courses. So if you have an idea for a course, let me know and I'll see what we can do. It'd be a lot of fun to do one by request. I actually have an upcoming course that I'm planning to run in November. And it's going to be about making a presentation, a compare and contrast presentation to be specific. And that's the entire aim of the course. And there will be a live component too, as well as group classes. So it's not one-to-one, -one, more of a group atmosphere. But there'll be more information on that soon. But yeah, the, the future plans are basically to 
keep doing what I do, which is what I love, which is teach English and make materials. Thankfully, I have a job that can support the work I do, so I'm not totally reliant on Little Seal English, which allows me to be more creative, but also kind of slowed me down for a while. You know, I got comfy. I got into my comfort zone a little too much, but now I'm out of it and I'm really trying to run away from it. And I'm really good at that. So it's good. Quite motivated these days. (sighs) Yeah, that's a great way to finish it. Bye.